The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you so much for joining us today on yet another edition of Afternoons with Mike. In the studio with me for the second time, Caleb Wampler. Man, it is great to see you. Yeah, great to see you, Mike. And I am privileged and honored to be back with you again. Looking forward to seeing what God's going to do today. Yeah, you know, that is really fun. I I like what you just said. I just read about an account of someone who was talking about their nightly habit with with his spouse, with his wife, and how that they are, every night, they're posing themselves a question from one of the catechisms. You know, am I doing, what am I doing in this life that matters, that kind of a thing. And that is a great way to have a, an outlook every day of our lives, because every day is unique. Every day is different. And every day can be powerful, right? Yeah, totally. And you never know what God is going to do in a given day. It's important that we say yes to whatever that is. Psalm 139 verse 16 says that we have a book of our life that he's created for us, and he knew every day before we were ever born. And so I wake up every day, and the first thing I say when I get out of bed is yes to whatever you have on the pages of my book for today. <laughs> That's good. I've heard the joke about uh, some people say, good morning, Lord, first thing, and others say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Caleb is an evangelist. In just sheer one-word description, that really does apply to what you do. You bring the good news of Christ to wherever you go, and that's a pretty wide uh, breadth of uh, uh, property right there. We're talking about overseas missions that you've been on, as well as work here in the United States. You are an author, a brand new book called Weighty Words. We're going to be talking about that coming up in just a moment. But first of all, bring us up to date on you. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well. Uh, since the last time that I was here, we have a fourth kid now. So my my wife, Harmony, and our four kids are keeping the fort busy. Uh, they're all seven and under. So that makes for an action-packed plan. And I've been in about 30 countries now ministering the gospel uh, all over the world, uh, large-scale crusades. And even since the last time we met, Uh, We've had our largest crusade now in the history of the ministry in the nation of Pakistan. Wow. Uh, And that was in the fall of 2021. 254,000 people that made decisions for Christ in a single night in a dusty open airfield. Now, when you talk on one of these major, I mean, it's hard, I believe, for Americans to get their brain around what you're talking about. And, And honestly, I would be willing to bet that there are a good number of people who hear you when you tell a story like that, they go, ah, nah, couldn't have happened. But that's not true. You've got the video, you've got the pictures to prove that these people showed up on one night in one place and you're there. Somehow they're hearing you. Had to be a pretty great sound system. Oh, yeah. I, I've often heard it said that the anointing can only go as far as the sound of your voice because <laughs> yeah. people have to hear that what you said to be able to hear it, you know. So how does that happen, Caleb? How did, What do you attribute? 
I know you're a humble man. You would say, obviously, it's the Lord, and I understand that. But what is the work that he has you do to prepare? What do you have to do to get the word out in these areas to bring in a crowd of a quarter million people? Yeah, there is a lot that goes into it, and typically we're six to 12 months in advance of a location. A lot of prayer, a lot of fasting. Uh, Our ground teams on the ground in any given nation are uh, busy with sometimes as many as, uh, or as little as 20 people to as many as 200 people on a given team Mm -hmm. that are just on the ground. And so when I go in, I might have two or three people with me from the States, but there are, you know, again, hundreds of people that have been working for months, going door to door, flyers, marketing budgets, going, uh, announcing in the streets with the video campaigns and billboards and uh, everything you can imagine. And then uh, once it gets closer to the event, we send buses into villages all across the region. So sometimes that's hundreds, sometimes that's thousands. And so depending on the size of the crusade, it will depend on how many buses are going out. But in those villages, oftentimes there are no churches there. We are announcing that we're coming. There's going to be a prayer festival. It's predominantly a Muslim, right? Yeah, and and in Pakistan specifically, Muslim or Hindu nations like India. And then we say, hey, look, we're going to be praying for healing, and there's going to be a demonstration of God's power. And so we preach a crystal clear gospel message. People get healed in the villages. They go back and they're like, hey, you couldn't walk before, and now you're walking. Where did you go? They say, the man of God from America came and told me, the white man, and he said that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and they give their lives to Jesus, and then churches are planted in the villages. And that's got to be so incredible to see that with your own eyes. You're up there on the stage, and uh, you're you're watching these people respond in ways that, you know, pastors in America, uh, they don't have that experience. <laughs> There's not a quarter million people arriving in America. And I think that's one of the most asked questions. And I think it's worthy even of me running that by you today. You hear you have Pakistan, a country who actually has a constitution that aims people toward Muslim, the the Muslim religion. And I'm sure that like other nations that are Muslim, that they have a good amount of fear and trepidation placed upon people who are preaching. Uh, You know, they would look at it as, you're going in to proselytize these people. Right. Uh, what what is that like? Yeah, and and depending on the visas and the things we come under, I mean, it it is illegal to do uh, to have a gospel declaration. But people can't deny the real power of God, and uh, when they see a real miracle or a real healing or a real uh, a real moment and encounter take place with somebody that they cannot deny, then suddenly people are way more open to turning a blind eye to broken laws and, and and realizing their families' generations have been changed because grandpa just uh, had a miracle. So. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we all know a miracle is something that can only be produced by God. Yeah. It, it's not going to be all of your praying, all of your fasting, all of that. It, that. That, I believe, is part of what we have to do in our faith, and it's certainly in obedience to do with the Lord. But that miracle still is, it's got to be God's touch on people. Yeah. And, you know, that that is something that you've seen and you see. You go to Pakistan, again, 
with 200 and what was the total count of people there? Um, over 300,000 people that were in attendance with 254,000 decisions. So, so three quarters of the people there, more than three quarters of the people there are responding in faith to Jesus. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. Were you able to go to sleep that night? Um, you know, I didn't go to bed till about 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> Is that right? I did my best, but I was too wired and thanking Jesus for what he had done. So. I, I can only imagine. I would have loved just to have been there to, you know, to, to walk along with you and get you water when you needed it. Well, Mike, we'll have to get you on one of these crusades. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be incredible to see for sure. And to watch uh, something like that come together. Again, I think most people, and, and this is where I am grateful that we can be a conduit uh, here on the air and through our podcast that would challenge people. You know, I'm studying right now. I'm getting ready to speak at my own church. And I have been studying 1 Corinthians 12. And obviously that's one of those power punch passages of Scripture talking about the very thing that you are observing, the gifts of the Spirit, and how that they are treated and I believe sometimes mistreated by pastors across the country today where the idea or the notion of a miracle or a gifts of a spirit, uh, they, they're kind of put into a wastebasket that says those are, those are not for today, but that's not your life, is it? No, and it, it really isn't because the truth is, and, and you know, for your listeners, I don't know where they are on their spectrums or their backgrounds, but when I go into a nation, uh, the supernatural is normal in pretty much every other country of the world, especially the third world. Uh, than than it here is in the states. Uh, it's not it's not uncommon for somebody to go down the street to go to the witch doctor and to go to the the Muslim holy men or the Hindu holy men or the Christian holy men or whatever holy men and to try this or to get a charm right. or a fetish or an amulet to make deals with the devil or to like th- they'll do anything because they have no options. I mean, we might have access to good health care here and surgeries and things in the states that maybe we that other people in other places do not. And so they're willing to do anything. You know, we just go get a surgery if we get a broken bone and there they might not have been able to afford it. And so it deforms their body and then they're unable to work. And if they're the sole provider of their family, they can't provide for their family anymore. And so uh, they get put in slavery, uh, literally modern day slavery, as we've seen in the brickyards across Asia. And um, they're just, they're, they're stuck in bondage and never have a way to get out. And so when you bring a message of hope like this and, you say that uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that we're going to pray and God can touch you and heal you and he's fully able to. They believe it because they already tried all the other supernatural things. So why don't we try this thing as well? Yeah, but the other stuff yeah. didn't work <laughs> and God did. And God did and God does. And I think that's one of the most wonderful benefits about a short-term missions trip for someone to go along on a trip. And I don't care where it is or what you're doing but man, when you go in and you're in another country, you're not fettered. First of all, you're not fettered by the lack of faith that I think marks a lot of America right now. And you're you're also willing, you're also seeing people who are willing to walk miles and miles and miles. If it's on foot, they walk that, that distance just to get a little bit of the hope that you're talking about. Yeah, we've had people uh, just reportedly in the Crusades walk for as many as three days uh, on foot just to make it to an event one way just to walk back and can you imagine the amount of hunger that that produces yeah. 
where where the eyes of God are searching to and fro throughout the earth, and he knows that that woman or that man that just walked three days that came to hear a presentation of the gospel at a prayer festival, and you can better believe it and take it to the bank that that person's going to give their life to Christ and they're going to receive a miracle that night. You know, what I like about you, Caleb, is that, and this was something that I discovered the last time you were on, you are surprisingly uh, normal. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I mean that in, in every good way. You are, you're just a great guy that I think everyone would sit and enjoy. But you're a great guy who you possess this faith. You possess this ability, you possess this uh, like trust in the Lord that I think is unusual. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what I enjoyed so much about my meeting. And I, I told my wife about it uh, when I got home and I'm thinking, you know, here's a guy that lives in our area, but he travels the world and God is using him in ways that we've read about. We've seen uh, in past times, we've seen videos or movies of of tent evangelists and big meeting evangelists like yourself. And and a lot of those times you find out later that people weren't genuine. They weren't real. Sadly, I mean, it's put a black eye and I'm wondering if America could, you know, if our lack of faith at times could be just attributed to the fact that people have just turned a, a, a blind eye. To, to the supernatural, to what God would do. Yeah, they totally do. And, you know, just thinking about it, you know, you might be in a service and someone says that they had a headache, you know, and you pray for them and now they don't have the headache anymore. Well, we're just like, oh, seen that before, you know, heard that before. Uh, if it didn't happen and instantly, I don't want to wait three or four minutes and pray or, yeah. or believe I, you know, I, I'm just going to go off. It's, it's lunchtime, time for the Sunday morning buffet over down the street. You know, we're, we're more of a, a instantaneous now culture. We have all of the Hollywood movies and we, we, we bore ourselves with Netflix and everything else that there is that, you know, it just, it fills the eyes and the heart. And we're sitting here just like, okay, well, I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. Oh, uh, we, we don't pray and and believe for miracles. We just watch and see if they're really real and then try to disprove them afterwards versus just believing that God actually is who he says he is and wants to do things in our lives. And this doesn't just apply to healings and miracles, but it can apply to finances and watching breakthrough in your families, watching mm-hmm. watching a victory and transformation. I mean, for somebody to to be deep in drugs and alcohol and a lifestyle of pornography and to be supernaturally set free and to turn their life from darkness to light, that is a miracle. And may I never grow jaded to the fact that the gospel works and can work right here in the States or around the world of a life coming to Jesus. I mean, Jesus left the 99 for the one. Uh, that should excite us every single time. Not just, oh, I've seen that before. Can, well, I've heard I've heard the altar call. Can we move on now? Mm-hmm. Like We want to yeah. be excited for Jesus doing things in people's lives. One of the things that I think is a real hindrance, and see if you agree with this, is the fact that America has been prosperous for so long. You know, we've kind of like had it, and we're, we've done great things. America's done wonderful things, even for missions. You think about how many missionaries have emanated from America to other countries, and yet our own country... We have been going down, but it's almost like right now, here's my point. Right now, people are getting more desperate than they've ever been in their lifetime Yeah, in our own country. Plus, you add to that, we're seeing things in our own government that that have never been seen before by people who are, are alive today and who are living in our, our nation. And so that makes me wonder, 
are people in America starting to get desperate like the people in Pakistan? Yeah, as I have traveled the states and have been around, I am seeing a hunger rising across the the body of Christ as well as just people in general. They want something that's real. And, you know, it's always uh, darkest just before the dawn. And I, I feel that that is what is happening right now as as things are, as inflation's raging, as the gas prices are going higher, as people are looking and losing jobs. I mean, I, you can, you just go, I mean, Florida's doing pretty good in the fact that we live here, but I travel to a lot of other states and um, like they, they just don't have enough people in the workforce to even be able to keep their doors open for restaurants and shopping centers and gas stations. And you just sit there and you're like, what is happening right now? And in the process, people are realizing that they have a need that they have a debt <laughs> that can only be paid by a living God. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're want something that's real, not something that's manufactured, but something that is real. And in that way, that's really all these people in other countries are wanting. They want something that's real. So uh, overseas, they're more open to a supernatural thing here. It might just be hearing a word, a word of God, but everybody wants a miracle. And I believe that people are ready and hungry across the States right now for a move of God. I believe Revival is here and now. So what impact did, if any, did the whole pandemic thing have when you were in Pakistan? Did you see the vestiges of that pandemic there? Yeah, even just being able to travel from our state side was difficult for a season to be able to do things there. They were, um, especially even in India, but uh, even more so, but they were ravaged by by COVID and different things like that, third world, uh, just issues. They don't have as much access, as much sanitary conditions, and so... Uh, they were definitely going through it. And so when we did come in, in the middle of COVID, we actually had two crusades in COVID in Pakistan. And in April, we had 132,000 people come to Christ, which at the time was our largest. And then the the fall one pretty much doubled to 254,000 that came to Mm. Christ. But they were both during COVID and people came out. And again, for fear of COVID, that was really the restrictions of people uh, trying to shut the events down and things like this. But again, when the move of God happened and there wasn't a big COVID wave, and in fact, people got healed and saved and delivered, God has power over COVID too. And so, uh, you know, getting to see that, I remember being in Bangladesh at the time COVID broke out. And uh, it was funny, we had 17 people that came up on the platform to testify of this lung pneumonia type breathing issue with their airwaves where they couldn't smell or taste. (laughs) Right. And, you know, at the time we had no idea what it was. It was only days later that the global pandemic broke out, but people were getting healed of COVID as COVID was breaking out. And so God can do anything. He can. And and that's why I love having you up here. I think in a real way, and we're going to find out more ways (laughs) that you kind of mess us all up in a good way in a positive way. And I say that sometimes, you know, it's it's uncomfortable for some people to be able to uh, be challenged in their faith the way I believe. What If anyone takes the moment to listen to you, that's what's going to happen to them. They're going to be challenged in their faith. They're going to be asking themselves the question, hmm, why isn't this happening in my life? Can this happen? And that's the beautiful thing. It can turn around to where people says, hey, they would say, yes, it can happen. Caleb Wampler is my guest and evangelist on fire for God who loves the Lord and loves sharing the message of the gospel. We're going to be back with him in a moment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. 
So enjoy having Caleb Wampler here in the studio. You know, Caleb, for those that may not remember your story or your background or how it is that you were discipled into all of this, I think that's a question that would come up and they would go, how does a guy who is from Central Florida or lives in the Central Florida area, how does he get involved in all this? How did that happen for you? Yeah, I grew up as a pastor's kid in a, a small church in California and I just really experienced the glory of God. And I write about it in my book, Hunger. I talk about some of the encounters that God had. But I remember at six years old, I heard his audible voice for the first time. Uh, and uh, and from that moment, realized like, wow, God is real. From that moment on, I just, my parents were the real deal. They, uh, a lot of pastor's kids fall away, but that wasn't my story. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, I just, I loved the Lord from day one. And as that began to happen, um, and I began to experience him, even at eight years old, I said, Dad, I want to reach my school for Jesus. What do I do? And he said, uh, "He said, well, what do you like to do? I said, I like to play sports. And he said, well, then start an after-school sports program and tell people about Jesus. So, Mom, can you make some flyers? And before I know it, I got 20 kids showing up every single week after school to uh, play hopscotch and foursquare and dodgeball. And uh, we're, then at the end, I would tell them about Jesus. And so that evangelistic thing was already in my heart at an early age. And so I like to say that I've been in the ministry since I was eight years old, because that's really where it started. Mm-hmm. Um, Lakeland, Florida, by eighth grade, we had four meetings a week on our campus uh, at, at Crystal Lake Middle School in Lakeland and uh, Bellevue East High School, Bellevue, Nebraska, senior year. By the end of the end of senior year, we had four Christian meetings a week on our public campus. Um, flash forward into college, like I went to school for ministry in Minnesota youth pastor for six years, but always just felt like uh, something was missing. And in my background, I always saw pastors, I saw missionaries, and it made sense. I loved the nations, but it was always like you had to go to one nation and, and kind of, you know, that was your hill to die on. And I'm like, why do I love all of the nations so much? There, I would have people tell me, your vision's too, uh, it's too big. You need to narrow yeah. it and focus it. And I'm like, but I feel a call to all of the nations. And so when I had an opportunity to link up with Christ for All Nations here in the Central Florida area, Reinhard Bonnke and Daniel Kalenda. I was able to come and assist there for three and a half years as Daniel's assistant. And really in that season, everything just came alive. And so I got to see the large mass crusades that they were doing. I remember coming back from my first night at a crusade in Zambia with them, came back the second day of the crusade, and there was a pile of 30 sets of wheelchairs and crutches that were just laying on the ground. And I said, what is this? How can this be? And I realized that it was all the people that were healed that didn't need their crutches and wheelchairs anymore. And in my mind, in my my training season, God was just opening my mind to the possibilities of what he could do. And so the faith that was there, it was witnessed in those early years. And now, uh, five years ago, we launched out our ministry, Kingdom Encounters International. Uh, and through that ministry, now we've seen over 700,000 people come to Christ in these mass open-air crusades across the world. Now, when you go out and, and you're there and you've got a couple of hundred thousand people showing up at these events, what happens afterwards when you come back home? Yeah, um, there is a follow-up team that is in place to take all of the new converts from uh, from the Crusades, and uh, depending on how big they were, how small they were, uh, we have pastors that are being planted and churches being planted into new villages to carry on the fruit of the discipleship work. We have uh, appointed leaders that we work with in different regions who are kind of overseers of the area, and so there are continued pastors' conferences and trainings with these leaders 
uh, over the course of months, you know, quarterly, usually, mm-hmm. where they're continuing to meet with pastors in a region to keep pouring into them. And so when we go back into a region, we never go to the same place twice, but we have overlap and the leaders that might come to a vicinity region of where we are so we can keep pouring into those leaders. So these leaders that re- linger and get these people involved, are they pointing them? Are they forming actual churches with pastors, their national pastors? Yeah, we have. And again, depending, we work with a lot of different denominations and a lot of different backgrounds with different established um, churches already and established works because, uh, you know, our, our we only have five full-time staff ourselves here in the States, but through our contacts and our people around the world and our network, we have access to hundreds and thousands of leaders. And through their hundreds and thousands of leaders, uh, really untold tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of pastors and missionaries in their networks. And mm-hmm. so we're able to plant churches. They get involved and uh, plant churches in their villages and are coming up under leadership networks that we're, uh, that we're in partnership with. Now, I know you mentioned a couple of guys that were really formative for you, Daniel Kalinda, who's in, in this area right now, yeah. and uh, a nation's church yeah. and doing a great job there. And a lot of people that I've heard of have attended there and really walked away from it. I mean, he seems to have in his own preaching and his own speaking, and maybe I could even say in his own personality, it's almost like there is this cloth from which you guys are cut. And it's it's uh, really shockingly, I believe, infectious. It's, mm. you know, I find that when I'm around you, I, I want to do more. And yeah. I think that's a good thing, man. That's that's a neat impact that you have, Caleb, and I, I, I think that's a wonderful thing. Now, you also mentioned Reinhard Bonnke, someone that did a marvelous work. He's now with the Lord. Yeah, 79 million people in 79 years, a million for every year of his life. I mean, oh, to put that goodness. into words, is, is it's too hard to put it into words. You know, he was such a humble man. I had a chance to sit in a... I was probably a hundred people in the room, a pastor's meeting with him speaking. And I remember thinking, here's a guy that's talking just to a bunch of guys from America. And I'm wondering, what is everybody in this room thinking? You know, are you, are they being tempted like I was to think you're not doing squat, man. (laughs) You're not doing anything. This guy's talking about meetings where the hillside literally is covered with people who are coming out. And that's exactly what's happening with you right now. Well, praise God. No, we're just honestly honored to 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 do our part in the kingdom. There's so many, there's such a giant world out there. <laughs> and and in order to reach the world, we all have to be doing something. We're all called to be a part of the body and we're all called to the Great Commission. And so we get to do our part on our part of the block and we're just excited to be a part of a body of believers in the body of Christ. That's incredible, man. Well, I know we're going to get to your book in a moment, but I got to go back to the meeting in Pakistan last fall. I think you said it was yeah. last fall. Uh, when you're there, did you feel threatened at any point when you're out proclaiming the gospel, knowing now that there are radicals among them, not certainly the entire country, obviously not, yeah. but there are radicals in Pakistan in other nations that would like to put an end to this thing that you've already described as some, in some ways could be determined to be completely blatantly illegal to preach Jesus the way you did. Yeah. And, um, and with that said, we did have 15 people that were arrested in the meeting from our ground team and they volunteered to be arrested to appease the police officers so that the gospel could go forth in the meeting. 
book of Acts type faith and miracles. And I'm happy to say that all of them were released the same night. Uh, none of them actually even ended up going to prison uh, because uh, of we, we've been very intentional to build key relationships in the region through the power of prayer. Some of these relationships, some of the police officers uh, saw local leaders who happened to be some undercover Christians in the government mm-hmm. and uh, they, they had powerful positions and they didn't want to do anything wrong in front of their bosses, so to speak. And so all of them were released in Jesus name and the gospel went forth boldly. Even in our spring crusade, we had five people volunteer to be arrested to appease the police officers so I could preach the gospel. They all did go to prison. And the head of our escort to get in to the to the meeting, uh, that police officer got saved. He personally got saved. And then after the meeting, went and released all five of the people from prison himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody has in prison or nobody's arrested as far as me personally, by the grace of God, there's only been two moments where I, I've had moments where something could have happened to me, and in both situations, it all turned for the glory of God. And so uh, just through the team and through us, we've had a supernatural, ferocious protection from heaven. It's beautiful. But you do know that every time you go in there, something could happen, right? Yeah, totally. And I have, um, I've even recorded videos on my, my best friend's phone, my right-hand man, just in the event that... I were to pass away. So there's a message for my wife and my kids. Every mm. time I come home, I um, I tell my kids, I plan to be home uh, on this. But, um, you know, I, no man knows the day or the hour. And I realize the weight and the, uh, the, the, the possibilities of death or imprisonment or torture in the places I go to. I hope I go to 99 like Billy Graham and breathe my last yep, in my bed. Yep. But should that not happen, um, you know, I'm going to die on the fields as uh, in the nations. That's where I was born to be. I believe it. And, you know, I think back at eight years old, you're, you're thinking about uh, the, the group of people that you go to school with and wanting to preach the gospel to them. And I'm thinking, you know, I've had conversations recently where people who, who made a statement that if you are faithful in these small things, in these beginnings, and you go from A, he he leads you to B, and he leads you from B to C, and from there on, and you just go through your life being led by faith one step at a time. And that's what's marked you, right? Yeah, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And really, uh, if you think about the big picture, sometimes it feels overwhelming. But if you do the next right thing that you know you're supposed to do, you always end up in the right spot. Oh, I love it. Now, the weight, weighty words that you've just uh, published this book, it's called Weighty Words, Influencing the Unseen Realm. So I mentioned earlier about this whole thing about 1 Corinthians 12 and how that one of the things that I, I in fact, I've titled the message that I'm getting ready to speak on Sunday, uh, Making Room for the Supernatural. Because I believe that's what we really, I believe the Bible conditions us for that, teaches us to do that. Uh, And yet in my own life, Caleb, I just have to confess, at times I don't live that way. Hmm. At times I'm shockingly uh, just full of concerns, full of worries, full of maybe full of myself. I, 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 I want that. but We've got to learn to make room for God to move in our lives. Yeah, we, we need him for everything, and the atmosphere that we create in the power of our words, Proverbs says that the power of life and death is in the tongue, and so 
what we are speaking out, the life we're speaking or the negativity, the death we're speaking, uh, create an atmosphere in our lives for opportunities or for more of the same mm-hmm. that we've been doing. Now, there was a, a group that came out years ago and they wrote this book or had this teaching out there. And it was it kind of started becoming then the negative confession teaching where you're, you know, you don't ever want to say anything that might have a negative connotation to it. And that can be so trapping and that trivializes really what you're talking about here, because there is true weight in, in what we say and our words matter in life, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, 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 in to kind of give an illustration of what happened in this meeting and, um, and really the way the book was (laughs) formed in its beginnings it came from a powerful vision that took place. I was in my room and had a couple of friends coming over for dinner and my wife was getting everything ready. And I said, I'm going to go pray because in like three or four hours, I'm going to preach at a Saturday night service. And so uh, I went to pray. And as I did, I ended up, um, I I have a lot of supernatural encounters. And for those that uh, maybe are unfamiliar with this type of topic. Uh, God spoke to many people throughout the Bible, and he speaks to many people today through dreams and visions and these types of things. I've just, even since my childhood, God has really opened up a lot of things to be able to see visions. And so he speaks to me that way a lot. And so I have visions frequently, and I'll I'll see, you know, sometimes angels of the Lord, or I'll see pictures. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the gifts you mentioned is prophecy or words of knowledge. And mm-hmm, so those mm-hmm. things will flow often in our meetings. And so um, I was I was praying and as I've often seen the good, you have seen Jesus and the angels, I've rarely seen the dark side and I'm very grateful for that. And uh, But in this particular vision, these three demons came to me in the vision and they started cursing at me, yelling at me, coming against me. Mm. And and Mike, I, um, you know, overseas, we do a lot of deliverance ministry. I, 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 you know, a lot of people are demon possessed and people can think what they want, but when they're confronted with it right in front of them and they've made deals with witchcraft and witches are coming against you, you, you gotta throw, sometimes you throw your theology out the window and you just say, Lord, what do I do right now? Cause this person's mm-hmm. going to kill me, you know, <laughs> in the name of Jesus, you know? And so, uh, so we, we faced a lot of demonic stuff overseas, but I hadn't had to really deal with it internally as like a, as a personal vision. And so while I'm in this vision, these three angels, uh, th- three uh, demons are coming against me and I'm like, I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I ask for protection. Lord, I send them out. Lord, I repent of any sins that I like. I'm trying everything in the book and they're not leaving. Mm-hmm. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. And uh, and to make a long story short, these three, uh, eventually I say, Holy Spirit, you've got to help me here. What is going on? I'm asking for the discerning of spirits. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. gifts. One from, of the gifts in that very passage. Yeah. And I say, Lord, I need I need discernment right now. And he said, these three demons were sent here by believers that had spoken out against you. Now, I immediately said, well, what is that? Like, what do you mean three believers that spoke against me? And the good thing is, the reason I like to share this story is I don't know who they were. <laughs> and I, to this day, I have no idea who it was. That wasn't the point. It was that three believers had spoken something negative against my life. And I said, I said, oh, I said, well, what, what is the premise of this? And he said, Proverbs, uh, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And I said, okay, the power of life and death is in the tongue. They had spoken death out against me. And in this, in this encounter, I said, well, Lord, I forgive them. I, I, I asked you to forgive them. I don't hold anything against them. 
and I said, Lord, just show them, show them what they did. And, and just, I, I don't hold on to it. And immediately all three of the demons left. And I, I said, okay, God, you're showing me something powerful here. And in Psalm 103, 20, it says that the angels of the Lord, um, they hearken unto the voice of God, or they wait upon God's words and watch over it to perform it. And so when we speak out the words of God, the angels of God hear God's words spoken through our mortal lips because they're God's words and they move into action. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love how Reinhard Bonnke, we mentioned him, he would always say that God gave him this powerful revelation one day. He said, he said, my wor- uh, uh, God said to him, my words in your mouth are just as powerful as my words in my mouth. And Reinhardt had this powerful revelation that they're not his words, they're just God's words, but I'm agreeing with God's words, and so I'm speaking God's words. So we, we know that the angels of God, based on Psalm 103.20, respond to God's words through our mouths because they're God's words. Likewise, also the enemy responds in that way. I had a powerful revelation in that moment, realizing that we re- literally release life, the kingdom of God, or death, what uh, what the mm-hmm. enemy is at work yeah. by just simply speaking the negative and ill things towards people, uh, negativity, jealousy, envy, rage. I hate them. I want to kill them. I, Lord, just judge them. Like we're speaking these things against other people, and as I begin to realize the weight of our words, the weightiness of our words, that's where the revelation for this book came. Wow, it's called Weighty Words. And give us your web address so that people can contact. Uh, the the internet and, and find out about this book. Yeah, kingdomencounters.us is the website. You can find all the information on there and also the book is on Amazon as well. All right, Caleb Wampler is my guest. We'll be back for one more segment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Really enjoy having Caleb Wampler drop by the studio today and it's always fun to talk to somebody who is doing something for the Lord that you look at and you go, Man, that's incredible. It's fantastic. It's unbelievable. And and I, I bet you that you do have people who really probably don't believe that all of that happens when you're over there, right? Yeah, I, we, we have a lot of uh, people that don't believe anything. And so our approach is like Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see. <laughs> come and see. <laughs> right. And that's just it. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. If they were to do that, if they were to go, uh, and and what you've said has been my ongoing experience that it's easier sometimes to see these fantastic miracles when you're out of the, the bounds of the United States uh, boundary lines. I, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I um, my, my best friend, Joshua, who is now my right hand in the ministry, we're best men in each other's wedding, shared a locker together uh, uh, at freshman year of high school, known each other for 20 years. And uh, he had never seen a miracle his whole life. I said, come with me to Nicaragua, be my photographer. And uh, it was my first international trip with our ministry, his first time ever out of the country. Never seen a miracle. On day four, I give him the mic and I say, you're going to pray for the sick. And it's a whole funny story that I won't go into. But a long story short, he ends up seeing 40 miracles that one night. The whole thing breaks open for him. The rest of the trip, he's seeing miracles. He's learning on the fly. We go back to the States and he goes back to Omaha in his home area. And he says, well, God, if you can do this overseas, then it has to work right here in the United States too. And so first day he goes into his uh, a homeless shelter that he was working at at the time. And he goes up to the head chef. The head chef has a shoulder injury, couldn't lift his arm past his shoulder. And uh, and he prays for the shoulder and the guy gets healed. And he goes, 
I don't believe in healing though. And he goes, but I'm healed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so immediately he started realizing that it works here too. The difference was he realized that he just wasn't open his mouth and looking for opportunities in yeah. the States. Uh, and by simply just being in an environment that changed the way he thought, he was able to bring it back and start ministering in that way. And to this day, three years later, he is flowing and healing and that gifting today. Well, okay, so off the top of your head, I'm going to throw you a question. I know you'll be able to answer this. What do you see are the obvious obstructions to people with that kind of faith in America? Uh, it's unbelief. Uh, it has to be unbelief. And, uh, you know, we see it in Scripture. Uh, the, the servant says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I remember my mom having a powerful dream one time where the Lord told her, unbelief will send you straight to hell, you know? <laughs> and she had this moment where she felt like she was falling in the pits of hell in a dream, and and she just heard these words, unbelief will send you straight to hell. And so it's that unbelief is really a lack of trust and a lack of, uh, of, of trust in that God is who he says he is and that he wants to do what he, say, what he says he will do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, we just don't believe. Well, I've never seen that. Or we're, we're, we have too many doubts or concerns or, oh, he couldn't, like, well, if he wants to, then maybe he can. Well, yeah, of course he wants to, or he wouldn't have done it so many times in Scripture, you know. But God wants to heal. He wants to save. He wants to deliver. It's in his nature. Mm-hmm. He's good. He loves to bless and love and help and heal, and it's just what he does. And so if we just believe that God is who he says he is and get to know him like that, then the outflow of that is that we're going to just start to see him do things in people's lives, you know. Now, you, unbelief is obviously a real inhibitor to anything that is going to uh, happen that is of God. Now, another one that I've heard you mention, and that is the word faith. This is an abused word. Uh, one of the points that I'll be making in my message is a guy years ago told me something I've never forgotten. He said that where you see abuse, And this is the problem with a lot of what we're talking about today. A lot of this has been, uh, sadly, abused before in leaders, in churches, in meetings. There's been abuse. Uh, It's sad, but it's true. But he said the the proper uh, response to abuse is not disuse, and it's not misuse, Mm. but it is correct use. And so it, it kind of as simple as that old saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I believe a lot of people do. Yeah. When it comes to this issue and it, when it comes to their faith, because they've seen negative things before, they've seen people be failures at what they said they believed in. They throw the whole thing out and say, nah, miracles don't happen. They're, that can't be true. Yeah, we base things on our experience so often, and you know, uh, well, I I got prayed for once and I didn't get healed, or so and so. If God was good, then why did this person die or this person? I yeah. be- I really believed you that time, God, and you know, and it didn't happen, so He can't be a healer. And we 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 base things based off of our experience versus reading the Word of God and knowing that He can. Um, an, an intimacy in your relationship with Christ is really the key for everything. Because I I I was in a different interview and. They asked me, well, how does this whole weighty words thing work with, you know, the prosperity movement and the word of faith movement and the God, you know, name it and claim it. And, you know, because there's the other side of that, too. And, and, and really, the answer to that or to the unbelief is really the same thing. And it's knowing who God is and having a relationship with him. And when you when you have God's heart, when you're staying in his presence, you're listening to his voice, then you're going to know what the next thing is that you need to do. 
I can say, Mike, I have faith that I'm going to go walk on water because it's in the word of God and Peter did it. And so I'm going to go do it right now. And I'm happy to say, Mike, that I have walked on water. I lived in Minnesota for seven and a half years in the frozen lake. And it was frozen. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But uh, I'll be honest with you. I haven't tried it here in Florida because I don't want to find out where the gators are in Jesus' name. (laughs) Yeah. But I I, I realized that God hasn't told me to walk on water. But if there was ever a need for it and I was on the run for my life and and he says, hey, go run out of that water to run away from these guys that are trying to kill you. Maybe I might go run on water in that moment because that's yeah. what he's speaking to me. Yeah. But, the, but the point is uh, that, that we know his voice and the next thing he's telling us to do. If I'm in prayer and, I, and all of a sudden I see that God is believing and he wants to heal somebody, I can have faith for that because he showed it to me. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do, said what he, what he heard the Father say. He was constantly leaning in to what God was doing. And so that's how he was able to accomplish God's will in the earth. And he, he did that, son of God and son of man. We as people have to know God's voice. It's really the most important thing about us that we know his written word, but that we spend time with him and pray and, and follow the promptings of what he's doing. We might just, why do I keep thinking of this person? Well, give them a call and pray for them, and you yeah. might find out why. You know. I, and I think that is a great example of how we can become more open to the supernatural in our lives by just obeying those simple impulses. Yeah. Like call somebody. I mean, this has happened to me. I just had what it did. Feels like a miracle to me, but I had a a computer that died on me recently, and I I took it to a, a three different places, and all of them basically put the death knell on it, <laughs> and and one of them kept it for about five weeks trying to fix it, and I had this one file on it that I really wanted to get, and man, I I found that it was going to cost hundreds of dollars. And I, one night I, so I I took it back to my home studio and it was in there. And the other night I was just, uh, finishing up some recording in my studio and I looked down and there was that computer. Mm. And just like this, I had an impulse in my heart, pick it up and plug it in. Mm. And I thought, what? That can't be the Lord. I've, I've had pros tell me this thing is broken. It needs a new uppercase. There's no hope for it pick it up and plug it in. Mm. So I picked it up. Caleb, honestly, this is what happened. I picked it up. I opened it up. I plugged it in and nothing happened. And then I had another thought, press a little harder on the power plug. (laughs) So I pressed a little harder on the power plug and reached over with my right hand and hit the button to turn it on. And it came on. Come on. (laughs) It came on. So yeah, the computer has an issue. But I was able to get that thing fired up and get my data off. And the whole, see, the Holy Spirit's a better technician than any of the technicians in, in the world. Any of them. <laughs> they the, tried everything. And Jesus is the best doctor and he's the great physician. And like, it just take it, like, if you need a lawyer, he, he has insight, you know. But if you need I, a counselor, he's a counselor. <laughs> so that, that is exactly right. So that's that whole simple thing. And that really, when you boil down to it, your, your dad helped you, but God put the unction in your own heart to do something yeah. when you were eight years old. And it was a simple thing. It wasn't like, okay, you're eight years old, get on a jet plane and go to Pakistan and preach to 200. Right. That didn't happen. Right. But you did what you could do based upon what you were feeling the impression yeah. from the Lord. Right. And I think that is the first step for us all. 
And honestly, if you take those steps, it's amazing how many more steps you start to just start having. Because I, I was in prayer last night. I went on a walk at, at, at the waterfront park over by my house in Claremont. And I just all of a sudden see a lady flash in front of my eyes. I gave her a call this morning in between a, a trip to the chiropractor and here. And she was super blessed. I received, uh, I, like, that's amazing. I was just praying with my husband about this. And I was able to pray with her and encourage her. And that just happened this morning, uh, just by seeing just somebody's name kind of flash in front of my face that I don't normally talk to all that much. So yeah. just, again, just follow those little promptings, and all of a sudden, you're going to have more opportunities. Maybe it'll happen in a public place or a gas station or a shopping center. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe maybe God just wants to start with somebody you know. It might be your own spouse or kids, but take that prompting, run with it, and over time, the supernatural becomes a lot more natural as you start to do it. I love that. That's great advice, Caleb. Caleb Wampler is who I have here in the studio, and his advice needs to be heeded. We need to do that. This is something that the Lord is doing, I believe, today. And man, we're living in a time where people need, they need answers from God on a daily basis. Yeah. These are rough times. And we need God right now more than we ever. Friends, uh, I encourage you to check out Caleb's book, Weighty Words. He also has another book called Hunger. And you can get all of this by going to that web address that he gave a moment ago. Give us that address. KingdomEncounters.us and Hunger and Weighty Words are both on Amazon as well. All right, now we've got just enough time. Give us an update on what's coming up for you in 2022. Yeah, at the end of the year here, we have trips to four countries uh, and eight states across the United States and the world. We're and we're on our push right now to see one million people come to Christ. We're at 711,000 right now, and we're believing by the end of this year, we're going to be knocking on the door of that million. That's a big goal, my friend, a big goal. And uh, can people watch videos at, uh, on your website of some of your yeah. meetings? I encourage you, please go to our YouTube channel, Evangelist Caleb Wampler. And if you do, we have over 400 videos on there. Mir- oh, there mir- miracles, healings. If we got about 80 or 90 of those. We got interviews with a lot of guests, sermons, teachings, uh, clips from the Crusades. You're going to be able to see it all. Oh, that's incredible. Caleb Wampler, thank you for dropping by. And obviously, I want you back again. So we'll we'll do this again, my friend. Would love to. Thank you so much, Mike. It's just great to have you on. And uh, you can check out Caleb at that site and uh, do it. Please do. And friends, thanks for joining me yet another time right here on the Shepherd Radio Network Afternoons with Mike.